when they say, why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is, Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have that if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the fuck do I give a shit about burning the fucking football hall of fame, about burning a fucking target? You broke the contract when you killed us in the streets and didn't give a fuck. You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own by our bootstraps in Tulsa and you dropped bombs on us. When we built it in Rosewood and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so up your target. Up your Hall of Fame. As I'm concerned, they could burn this bitch to the ground. And it still wouldn't be enough. And they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fire You Camp It Out. It's an interesting way to start a show with that particular clip. I saw that clip a number of months ago for the first time when John Oliver decided to do an episode about the Black Lives Matter movement. And it was one of the longest segments he'd ever done. And he talked about how the how this woman's words rattled in his head. Now, after I saw that clip, that woman's words rattled in my head as well. But then they came back to me and hit me differently recently after an experience that I had within my family. My daughter has a friend who has conservative parents. Fine. We're not one of those people that say that our kids can't fraternize with people that disagree with us or that we think the people disagree with us are the devil. If you support Donald Trump, I will call you a Nazi to your face because if you support Nazis, I don't know how other how how else to put it. Um I've thought the same about these people too, but I go, what? I sent my daughters out and, and I, can't, I can't shelter them and I can't tell them to stay away from me and I can't tell them not to talk to people and I wouldn't want to anyway. I want them to experience the whole world and sometimes it's awesome. Other times, it's less awesome. So she went to stay the night at a friend's house and they decided uh, to go someplace. They said, well, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go pick something up from the store. You know, would your girls like to come along? You know, her and her friend. Okay, fine. Yes, we'd like to come along. And so they're going to go along to the store. And she goes, oh, you know what? Um, I, I need to stop by um, my sister's house, which is, you know, obviously the aunt of the daughter that my daughter's hanging out with. Um, and I'm pretty sure she'd like to see her aunt because it's her birthday. She was, he was there celebrating her birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the aunt's house. Talk with the aunt. Hang out for a little bit. But that was already more than the one place that my daughter had anticipated going. And obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. So there's a concern with, you know, going to too many public places and masks and all the rest. Fine. But let's go to the aunt's house. Maybe we'll wear masks. 
No one wore masks at the aunt's house. Okay, all right. My daughter's anxiety is spiking a little bit. But then something different happened that really didn't have too much to do with the pandemic. The mother of the daughter that my friend was hanging out with, and I know I'm not using names, and I could come up with fake names and make this easier to understand, but why would I do that? So the mother and the aunt started talking about, of all things, QAnon. And they started sharing these conspiracy theories back and forth. And it's stuff my daughter's never heard of before. Um, I know about this stuff. I marinate in it. I learn about it. Uh, But she's not that way. She's politically aware because in our house, we talk politics all the time. We're like Kennedys. But she'd not heard about the QAnon group and heard them talking back and forth about how Democrats have secret child sex dungeons. This is real. And how the Democrats are... And it's all this stuff that's not real and none of it's happening. And it really upset her. And then after putting my daughter through that, then they went to the grocery store. And then they went out to eat. And then they continued going to more and more places. And at this point, I know my daughter wanted to hang out with her best friend, but I feel like she also wanted to go home too. She was shaken. She was shook by the experience when she told us, what is this about QAnon? What the hell's wrong with the mother? Mother putting up a fight to, 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 to wear masks anywhere that they go because the virus is just here to hurt the president anyway. Well, of course it's here to hurt the president. The president has it now. We may or may not talk about that later. May not. And I thought to myself, I says, one of the reasons I've not, the QAnon movement is also an anti-Semitic movement. The president's doing two things with it right now. The president knows that the QAnon people like him. And he may not know much about what they believe, but he knows that they like him. And the fact that they think that Democrats have child sex dungeons and all this stuff, he goes, fine, it doesn't matter. If it's negative and it's about my enemy, that's fine. You know, the enemy and my enemy is my friend. You know, and it's, it's, it's that the way, that's, that, and it plays out like that. But one of the largest pillars in their movement is the fact that Jews are taking over the world. So the president has welcomed this horribly anti-Semitic movement. And I know they'd like to say that they're freedom fighters and all this other stuff, but they're not. They're to sit around and make things up about people who are, who are progressively minded. And none of it's based on reality. It's completely born of the internet and it means absolutely nothing other than the fact that so many people believe it. So the president embraces this huge anti-Semitic movement and then has been jumping on stage recently and talking about his good German blood and telling people in the audience that they have good genes. I talked with you last week about how conspiracy theorists struggle for control. That's why they sit around and make things up. But there's another thing that hit me this week about how much alike progressives and conservatives are. So I was talking with someone else today who does not vote and he's not going to vote and he just doesn't care. Everybody's bad. So he's not even thinking about it and that's just fine. But when I asked him, uh, 
what his experience with it it all was he talked about how he saw you know a debate back in 2015 or 2016 where trump was talking bad about bernie bernie was talking bad about trump and he goes oh they're talking bad about each other they're all crap and i go that's not that's not terribly deep and he goes oh you know what about all these what what about all these rioters you know and i go they're not out there specifically to riot but as the old slogan goes the riot is the language of the unheard. They've turned out in numbers to vote for the people that they want. The last election, the winner lost by 3 million votes. See, when reality deviates from expectations, that's when you get this frustrated behavior that comes out as protesting and rioting. And when people are protesting, they're, it's because they're not getting what they want they're not getting what they expected they're not getting what they voted for and then it hit me that donald trump isn't trying to make anything better he's got this dumbass slogan about making america great again but he's not trying to make anything better arguably he's making everything worse the environment college education health care the pandemic He's making it all worse. And the people, the people that support him are cheering him on. He's been accused of rape. He's been accused of pedophilia. Of course, he's a, he's a con man. He's a horrible businessman is what we've learned from his taxes now. But the people that like him don't care. And I've long said, oh, it's, it's just because he hates who they hate. But it's because he is destroying everything. See, their expectation and the conservative movement has also deviated from the anticipated reality. And so because they don't feel like a part of the community, they feel like they're being segregated. They feel like they're being, um, I'm going to talk about section 232 in a minute. They feel like they are being discriminated against. They feel like their voices are not being heard. And so they are cheering for the guy. They feel like the social contract has been broken. And so you know what? You may as well just burn it all to the ground. See, when she talk like that, talks like that, she's right. And it ain't just black people that don't own anything. There's a whole lot of white people that are going through this too. There's a whole lot of, I don't know, the numbers against African-Americans are far bigger. Yeah, they own way less. When you look at uh, the amount of wealth that white people own, the amount of wealth that black people own, black people are, own far less wealth than any other group. But the system that has held them down has held a whole lot of other people down as well. So the conservative movement says we don't own anything and we're not in control, just burn it to the ground. And then the BLM movement says the same thing. They go, hey, the social contract has been broken. We don't own anything. Nothing out here is ours. And as the years go by, as the years go on, we give more and more and more of that wealth away to people who are, wait for it, already effing rich. I've said for a long time, we all have the same interests. 
We all have this. We all want the same thing for our families. We all want to have a secure job and a secure retirement, and we want to not have to worry about our health care. We just have two completely different ways that that we respond when our realities deviate from from the anticipated outcomes. Because I think we're all working towards that outcome, and I think this is one of the reason. The guns and they do. They cling to guns and religion. It's weird to me. But it's not weird when you take it in its full context. Because they say, I feel threatened. I don't feel safe. I don't feel secure. And so to the person that threatens any of that, I'm just going to kill them. And that is my response. Whereas my response is to continue working towards equal justice, even if it kills me, theirs is to just kill. I'm not in the place where I'm frustrated enough to, you know, to burn down buildings and, and go after police. I'm, ha I'm happy to join the protests, but I'm not in the place where I want to tear things down, but I'm also not black when we own nothing we destroy everything we have to be able to admit when we are wrong and there is no savior really with either of the political parties there's no savior but then there's this caveat um, there's effectively only one political party right now because there are progressive-minded people in office and running for office that honestly do want to make things better. But then when they get caught up in the wheels, uh, there's not here to create a divide between progressives and conservatives. And I'm not here to say that I'm always right and you are always wrong. That's not the point now. Nor was that ever the point. But one of the things I want to do with this show is point to these things and say, Hey, <laughs> here's where we're the same. Here's where we agree. And here is where we can begin to work on these things. If you need another highlight for how, the, um, how there really is only one party... Um, there were 17 GOP congressmen and one uh, independent congressman, Justin Amash, who used to be a GOP congressman, who voted no this week on a resolution, uh, Resolution 371.18, to condemn QAnon, an anti-Semitic movement. And the 17 GOP congressmen are all white, all male, and all from deep red pockets. And the anti-Semitism isn't really about um, the fact that they're Jewish and that there's something wrong with being Jewish. Um, this was an easy target for the Nazis too, and y'all are following a Nazi now. Um, but this is one more thing where they go, "Hey, we don't have what we want." And there's there, you know, there's these old tropes about you know Jews being greedy, and so the conservative movement goes, "Hey, I'm struggling economically." It must be because of 
what I read about on Facebook about how all the Jewish bankers, blah, 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 and then they just go off the rails from there, even that, even though that may not really be what they believe. It is what they are trafficking in, trafficking in now. Your life and your time can feel incredibly wasted when you come to these realizations about what we're all going through now and how we really are. If you're, if you're, if you're poor or if you work for a living, you and I, and I don't care how deeply conservative you are, if you are poor or you work for a living, you and I have the exact same interest. You go, but Melvin, what about abortion? Who cares about abortion? Are you going to go have a goddamn abortion? Then go have a goddamn abortion. Those are what are called wedge issues. Those are the things that separate us as people so that we don't talk about the real issues. If you want an abortion, go get an abortion. If you don't like abortions, don't have an abortion. And if you're a man, shut the F up about this because you're never going to have an abortion. And if you're a woman, if you want one, go get one. And if you're a woman, you don't want one, don't get one. There, the problem's solved. No more talking about it because it's pointless and it divides us on dumb things. And Amy Coney Barrett, conservatives want Amy Coney Barrett on the court because she's pro-life, pro-life. What about the 207,000 dead people? Well, actually, I think 214,000 dead people in America now that we have from COVID because the president decided to do nothing. And you're telling me that this guy picked a pro-life judge? Are you goddamn kidding me? No, he didn't. He picked somebody who's going to help burn down the rest of the country for you. Because you're frustrated and angry and that's what you've decided that that's what you've decided that you want whether consciously or subconsciously. So the president caught the coronavirus last week. A whole lot of GOP congressmen and women caught the excuse me caught the uh, coronavirus last week, and it really couldn't have happened to a nicer bunch of a holes. As I turned on, as I hit record on the show today, I just learned that Stephen Miller has now been, and every single one of them. I think with the exception of the Missouri governor, every single one of these people, and he was diagnosed a long time ago, every single one of the people that came up in the last week, uh, these, these congressmen and women, people that work in the White House, West, every single one of them, GOP. Why? Because they don't believe in wearing the masks. Why? Because they think it makes us look weak. Why? Because they think it hurts the president. That's why they don't really care. It's about keeping up appearances. So... The president went into the hospital and got taken care of for several days over this issue. Then, not because he was ready, but because he demanded to, he got released from the hospital. He went back to the White House, immediately took off his mask, and the West Wing has now been described as a ghost town because he's decided to go into the White House and breathe his goddamn corona germs everywhere. Then the president immediately made a tape saying, hey, <laughs> hey, don't be afraid of the virus. Let me contrast two dictators. In Russia right now, everything is back to normal. No joke. 
schools, restaurants, concerts, everything is back to normal right now. Everything, with one exception, Putin. Putin is in a hermetically sealed bubble. And no one's allowed in, and he's not going out. He has told the people of Russia, you will go back to normal, which means he's decided on the final solution. You get the coronavirus, you get sick, you get you die. That's how we're going to get herd immunity. He's told all the people of Russia to go out, get sick, and die. And so, our president, who by the way, could have done the same thing, could have put himself in that tight bubble and made sure that the corona didn't get in and that he didn't get out so he would, he'd be put at risk for the coronavirus. He has decided to do as Putin said to do and go back to life as normal. Why is the American president doing what the Russian president tells him to do? Because y'all pick this guy because you don't really like America. You're not really patriots because you don't see this country as yours. It doesn't feel like it belongs to you and you don't give an F if it burns to the ground. I'm not trying to castigate you here and I'm not trying to make you angry. But this is what I refer to as the invisible noose. This is the thing around our necks that has continued to tighten. And we, as, as white people, as working people, we've been feeling it in recent years. Okay? That's us. The Reagan revolution is what brought the invisible noose to us, which has slowly been tightening around our necks. Now, for African American people, that's been happening in America since 1619 for 400 years and not only has the noose been tightening around their necks it has thousands if not hundreds of thousands of times actually completely tightened around their physical necks and broken their necks for no other reason other than white rage i know that there's damn near nobody listening to me right now and maybe y'all will discover this recording a hundred years after I'm dead. And that's fine. <laughs> I haven't given up on progress in my lifetime, but I have conceded that the odds are long and I might not be that lucky so, so as to see uh, the social justice in my lifetime. And my regrets run deep for that and I weep for our country for it. So now that we understand that we all have the exact same interests, if we are in the poor or working class, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, black and white, conservative and progressive, what are we going to do? Are we going to allow ourselves to continue to be further divided? Or are we going to be able to band together and realize that the interest of race was always the wedge issue and never ever the real issue. Now that we realize that it's always been e economic, are we going to be able to band together? I know the answer, and I'm not going to say it out loud, but hope springs eternal. 
You may have heard recently about how the president wants Section 230 of the Telecommunications Act of 1996 to be repealed. Why? Well, I'll tell you why, and then I'll tell you what's, what, what would really happen. He wants a repeal because he doesn't like being criticized. And he feels like the people that criticize him on television and on Twitter, folks on the internet, people like me that criticize him, he, he can't handle criticism. And he wants it to stop. And his mommy said, you were going to stop because he's been a good boy. <sighs> well, what Section 230 is, is it says that these uh, internet companies cannot be sued for the speech that is shared by third-party people. What is that? When you go on the internet and you say Trump sucks or you say Obama sucks, you're covered by Section 230, as is Twitter, as is Facebook, as was MySpace. Actually, MySpace might still be around. <laughs> Section 230 protects you. Without Section 230, yes, you no longer have protection. It strips you of your free speech rights online largely. But what is the other thing that it does that the president is not thinking about? The fact that he's been sharing misinformation, the fact that he lies multiple times a day on Twitter, um, Twitter, so that Twitter would not get sued, would take down his account. And if it got serious enough, they might take down the entire website because there's no way that they're going to be able to monitor every single thing that gets posted every single day when there's something like a million tweets that go out every hour. And if one of those tweets says something negative about somebody else and Section 230 has been repealed, then Twitter can be sued to the hills. So we'll pay attention to what's going on with Section 230, but that's what it is. It's not a good idea for anybody. And last but not least, the coronavirus deal has died. While President Dum Dum was in the hospital, the Secretary of Treasury, Steve Mnuchin, and the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, were in talks to revive the deal. And the, the, the Democrats initially had a $3.6 trillion deal. And they brought it down to $2.6 trillion. And Mnuchin seemed like he was on board with that. But then Trump said no. Why? Because he wanted to use this as leverage in the next election. And because he doesn't hide the way he feels. And he doesn't joke. He said, if you want this stimulus package, you have to reelect me. If you reelect me, we will pass a gigantic stimulus package after the election. Okay, there's several problems with this. One, people are underwater right now. People are losing their homes. People are losing their apartments. People are losing their jobs. People are living in their cars. People are becoming homeless right now. They're already underwater. If we passed a deal today, those checks aren't going to be mailed out until after the election anyway. If Trump gets reelected and a deal passes, which by the way, even if he's reelected, it probably won't pass. The things that he says aren't true and he has zero credibility. You're still not looking at checks getting here until like December, maybe January. So we're looking three months out now. And that's if the president wins the, wins re-election. And if he doesn't win and passes this, which I don't think he ever wants to see it passed, 
And if he doesn't get reelected, he's not going to pass it. F no, he's not going to pass it. And if we have to wait for the incoming president, if we have to wait for Joe Biden to pass the coronavirus bill, six months. One more time. People are underwater right now with everything. And the economy is tanking. And the minute he said that, so the stock market was up 300 points today, which isn't a lot, but it's a good number. As soon as he said that, it dropped 600 points. It finished 300 in the red as soon as he said that. Why? Because it's going to further tank the economy. And so the president said, to those of you that are underwater, to those of you that are, that are suffering, to those of you that are drowning, I feel your pain. If you could only hold your breath for another three to six months, then you'll get rescued. Maybe. But then again, it might not happen at all because if Joe Biden gets elected, but he doesn't have a favorable House and Senate, <laughs> like let's say the Republicans get the House and the Senate, um, there will never be a stimulus bill and they will blame it all on Biden and do everything in their power to make sure that he's a one-term president. Uh, to my pro-life friends, um, I criticize you so much and I'm, I'm going to do it again a little bit. What about all the people that can't live right now, right? What about the people who don't have money, don't have food, don't have a place to live and need this money? And the concern is in deficits because remember, the Republicans gave $4 trillion to people, to rich people who were already super rich back in 2017. So they're not really concerned about the money like they say they are. But we can't pass this. So pro-life people, why is this okay? You know that people are going to die from this. The fact that the president has decided to do nothing about corona and to continue to play it down, you know people are going to die from that. The fact that people aren't going to have enough money for food, you know people are going to die from that. The fact that he's going in front of the Supreme Court on November 10th to tear down, to tear apart Obamacare, to throw tens of millions of people off their health insurance and maybe 50 million more than that, because I think ultimately that's how many people are going to end up with the coronavirus and that's how many people are going to become uninsurable because they have a pre-existing condition. It's going to kill millions of people, these things that he's doing. To my pro-life folks, just like tax, where you at? I want to say hold tight. I want to say hold strong. I don't know what else to say and I don't know what else to do. We put ourselves here because we don't understand what happened. We don't understand how we got to this point. And it's frustrating for all of us and we're all suffering regardless of our political persuasions. So what I would say to you is this. Stop looking upon your neighbor with anger and scorn. They're very likely in the same boat you are. And if you two were able to have an adult conversation, you might learn that. I can't point to every little thing that got us to this point in history, but I can point to the one thing that can start moving us in a more positive direction. And it's hard. I mean, it's real hard. But if you're willing to do it, the results could be amazing. Try talking with somebody who disagrees with you. Not yelling at them, not castigating them, not calling them names. Just try talking with someone on a human level who disagrees with you. 
I, I can't guarantee that it's going to work out, but I can guarantee you that it won't work out if we don't try anything. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here on The Fire You Can't Put Out. My name is Melvin. Our official home is tfycpo.podbean.com. You can uh, send us an email at tfycpo at gmail.com. We work hard to not only inform and entertain, but also to keep an open dialogue with our base. So feel free to reach out to us. And as always, thank you for listening. We are the fire you can't put out of. We will prevail. Rejecting austerity in favor of prosperity. Special thanks to Kevin for producing. And thank you for being here. This is Melvin signing off. And now that I've woke you up, good morning.